branding and packaging strategy can really help your business grow quickly and profitably. And in today's interview, I speak with an expert in consumer product marketing strategy. I'm really excited today to interview Michael Keplinger. He's a partner at Smash Brand, which is they call themselves an agile brand strategy agency for consumer packaged goods that really specializes in, compl in a complete approach to market research, product design, and testing. And we're going to go into a lot of questions in our interview today about those topics. He currently leads Smash Brand's research team to develop strategies for clients and to optimize various aspects of branding and packaging through testing. And so we'll dive, dive deep on some of those issues as we, as we talk today. As many of you are aware that have been our, in our audience for a long time, Harvest Growth, we're, we're big believers in the value of market research. And uh, Michael and his team at Smash Brand do their research in, in unique ways, uh, again, specifically on branding and on packaging, but also for other things that we'll, we'll dive, dive into today. Well, Michael, welcome to the show. Thanks, John. It's uh, great to be here and, and talk with you today. So I, if you could round out your bio, you know, you know I, I gave you a couple sentences, but you can probably describe it better than I did. So tell me a little bit more about, you know, who you are as an agency and, and really what you do to help your clients. Sure. Um, you know, Smash Brand, I, th I think we're fairly unique in that um, we, through a number of ways, and I'm happy to kind of talk through how we landed here, which is, uh, you know, I have a background in engineering, but uh, really taking some of that data side and uh, consumer testing and integrating it right into our whole process. And so along the steps of developing a strategy, validating that strategy with consumers. And then when we go to design, where a lot of times it is the kind of the end of the road for a lot of brands, um, along the way, we have multiple touch points where we can uh, get in there and get that consumer feedback, find what's working, and ultimately um, have a much more effective product that just resonates with consumers and, and kind of matches what they're, what they're looking for. So. Um, that's our little secret recipe and really what we do uh, differently, I think. And uh, we have a lot of clients that get a, get a lot of success from that. I always like to jump into kind of the end result, get our audience excited by success that you've seen and you know what you deliver. And then let's rewind and talk about what that process is and really understand, kind of peel back the onion, as it were, on, on your tactics or your techniques for market research. So let's start off, you know, do you have some examples of clients you've worked with and some of the success stories you've seen in your rebranding efforts that have come through this research, et cetera? Yeah, you know, a fun one to talk about because I finally can. They're finally on the shelf as of uh, the last month here. Um, but uh, grocery store, grocery product, canned tomatoes. Talk about a boring category. You walk down there and it's all the same. It was, uh, the packaging has hardly been uh, changed. And so you've got uh, more or less a co-op that the, all they do are tomatoes in the Midwest and, uh, and hundreds and hundreds of acres. And they just are kind of getting killed. They're in uh, grocery all over the place and can't be different. And so they came to us and, and they wanted this incremental change and said, well, we're going to show you uh, some radical change. And we're going to show you how we can uh, show approve more or less through testing and validating um, how you can uh, be successful. And so we basically just launched uh, a sub-brand of a, a big company called Red Gold um, and called Tomato Love. And it's very fun. It's bright. It's vibrant. Uh, it's a mix of diced tomatoes and chili peppers. And, and the packaging is just uh, so different. And so it's really attracting to a millennial, uh, a millennial audience, uh, different moms that are now you know, busy on the go. And that whole process could have never happened. It was so much radical change for a brand that's on the shelf 
uh, without really uh, proving it to them. So I really think of the testing as, as not only getting it right, but de-risking it. So they're not so worried about putting this on the shelf and being successful. And so, you know, they've been um, in talks with, uh, they're all over the country, but now they're, they've got the commissary picking them up, Kroger, uh, throwing it into every store. They've been, they were, they were out of Kroger five years ago and they said, oh my God, it's uh, we weren't even pitching them this product. They saw it and said, what is that? We want that on the shelf. It's on every store shelf in, uh, in America and Kroger, all Kroger stores now. So that was a really fun project, uh, very involved in an entire kind of beginning to end process uh, of everything that we do. So it's a, definitely a fun one to talk about. That is, it's, it's a uh, fun to kind of create something from scratch or from the ground up like that when you're developing a strategy. So uh, talk to us about your process. So you can, you know, whether it's that example or, or other clients you've worked with, what is your process from start to finish? So you, you've got the problem of, okay, we've got a, a product, you know, it might be canned tomatoes, might be whatever. How do you develop the story or the brand behind that? Sure. It's going to always start with the strategy and, um, you know, the example I gave is a product that's already on the shelf, uh, but it applies just the same to a lot of brand new products that are coming out, challenger brands that have something new and different. And how do they stand out? How do they, especially when you've got these existing brands that uh, really have large market share, you have to be different. You have to kind of disrupt that. And so um, that strategy work in the beginning is really trying to, um, at a high level, just get inside the customer head, customer's head. Um, and, you know, we talk about consumer products on the shelf and it's kind of proverbial today because the shelf is multidimensional. Now you've got Amazon still consider that the shelf, um, but uh, we can still kind of frame it around something that's very under relatable to us. And that proverbial shelf, like the grocery store, drugstore, Home Depot, doesn't matter what it is. And you walk down there and that consumer has got a lot of stuff going on in their head. They've got, um, you know, their the whole life experiences, their expectations, their other um, products and things. And so all these things are really happening inside their head. And it's it's pretty difficult to kind of unmap all that. You've got trends that change. And so that's that strategy, really, at a high level. And it's different for every category. Um, are you appealing to a new audience? Like what what's what's different about those that that different, you know, generation or audience and um, how does it all fit in? Is it super crowded or are you actually uh, a different subcategory that you're trying to make people, you know, change their paradigm to think about this in a different way? Um, and so that's really where it starts at and, and trying to find that white space. What's different? How can we, you can take the same thing and say it differently and somehow something clicks in the consumer's mind and they conceptually think about it differently. And, um, and so that's the strategy. And then you, we validate that, we test it. Yes, it's going to work. It's differentiated enough. And so um, more or less, that would be our strategy and where we go into design with a brief. Like, this is what we're, this is who we're designing for. This is what's important to them. And these are um, some ways to bring that to life. And then our design team will really go through some concepts and uh, find ways to bring that to, to, to the forefront, to really express that new positioning to that new audience. And then we might uh, go into one of the first types of testing that we do with something tangible and art of, of a concept test. And we can bring you know five, eight concepts in there and really measure what's working, what's not working, throw away a whole bunch of designs and, and learn from that process to reiterate uh, down, down the path. Perfect. Uh, and it is so important, as you said, to start with the strategy. Once you've got that nailed down, the rest can really fall into place. Like if you don't think about your strategy, so many, I think inventors and entrepreneurs especially will be tempted to, to sprint, right? Like you've got an idea, I've got to get it done, get it to market. And yes, you can move fast, absolutely. 
but you can actually move faster and better if you start with that strategy first, right? Slow down in the beginning, get it figured out, and then you've got fewer iterations because then your, your first design concepts are going to be much closer in, right? You're going to love it. The client's going to love it. And more importantly, consumers or, or the customers are going to love it as well once you have that strategy piece figured out. So I love that. It's a great point to bring up. That's really where you start. And it doesn't have to slow you down. If you do strategy the right way, it can actually speed up the entire process because you're, you know, you're avoiding mistakes and missteps along the way. Yeah, you know, and I think about... Because I haven't always been in just the CPG space. I've done tech startups and things like this. I've done a lot of stuff over the years, and and we're all trained really of uh, you know everything's agile, agile, and you know minimum viable product. Put the thing out there as fast as possible. It doesn't matter if it's right. Learn from your mistakes, and there's certainly something to that. But uh, if you put five things out there that are not that are so far off mark, then um, how do you know if you're really uh, doing it? So I think that the that the right approach is, is to strike a balance between. Um, trying to, and really putting that product out there is to learn as fast as you can, but uh, you can, you can learn a tremendous amount just by doing that upfront research and short circuit. Uh, I think a lot of that stuff. And, uh, you know, when you've got software and you can change it really fast, it's, it's a bit different when you've got a product on the shelf and it tends to be a bit static after that point. Yeah. You guys talk about research and you, you talk about doing it in a different way versus the, you know, traditional called old fashioned, whatever market research. So Talk to us about what does that mean to you? You know, how do you how do you do your research in this impactful way? I would say, um, you know, I think surprisingly, I mean, things are changing quickly, but a lot of the paradigms of of research are really come from the day when we had uh, just a few products on the shelf. We had you know thirteen channels on the television, and we had mass market. Everyone knows that term, mass market. And um, it implies that you can uh, market your products, you can talk to the masses, and they're going to make a selection between a small subset. But um, all we have to do is look at the grocery store as an example of you know, what used to be maybe 10,000 products in the shelf, and it's pushing 50,000 products. And so niche, 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 and everything um, gets more narrow. And uh, you know, you've got really like Seth Godin, really smart marketers that talk about pride marketing, because um, it's, it's just has changed it so much. And so, you know, where you look at personas and you're like, oh, it's a Hoosier all the time. We get clients and we say, who's your target customer? Moms, uh, females, 18 to 45. I'm like, that's not a target customer. That's a target customer in the 60s in mass market uh, when you said, oh, the majority of them are watching channel 12, but that's not today. And so we kind of let go of demographics. And, and not only that, but you people self-select into what their interests are. So they're driving, um, they're driving where they're going. You know, the, the Facebook and the Google algorithms are, are geared towards tuning into that. We see it through remarketing. And so what's more important than focusing on the people is focusing on like the psych psychology, the psychographics of, of what drove, what motivates them, what drives them. And, um, and people will, if you get that right, um, you'll have people that, you know, the traditional persona, they look nothing alike, but they both want the same product. And so that is, I think, um, one of the kind of things that we turn a little bit upside down. We focus so much more on the psychology behind uh, the motivations and the drivers and things like this. And certainly those other pieces are, matter, but uh, that's probably one of, one of the first things. And then secondly, we, um, we really take early ideas of strategy, things that we think are going to work, and we bring it into testing. And you know, we, we, we begin with the end of mind, of packaging at the end of the day, a retail uh, product has a job to do. It has to communicate, the brand has to communicate the core, you know, differentiators of the product and, and, and you know, an emotive and a, 
kind of functional level. And if you have a good strategy and begin with that end in mind, then you just tell consumers what it is that you, your end result is, and they help steer you through the right communication, the right visuals that help get you there. And then you flip it and go back and test them kind of up against your competition uh, to, to see if you're, if you're winning or not. And so I think that whole process is, um, is probably why I call it aligned with agile of something that is uh, still still fairly rooted in some very, very traditional uh, ways of doing things. You talked earlier too about a challenger brand or, you know, think about us as a small brand for a lot of our audience that may not know that terminology, you know, you're coming up against big competition and you might be the small fish in the pond kind of thing. How do you, you know, for the strategy work that you do with clients, how do they keep from getting lost in the market? The challenger brands? Yes. They, um, you know, I, I kind of, uh, it's interesting about these brands because uh, a lot of them don't really, um, some do, but don't really uh, do this deep research. They don't really have, I would say, a very specific strategy that they know is going to win and they just hone in on it. Instead, what you see is uh, you have a bunch of challenger brands and there's 10 or 20 of them and 18 or 19 of them failed that none of us ever hear about. And then the one that guessed it right, um, it's, it's uh, what they can do though is they have very little uh, they have nothing to lose. They have no risk. And so they can experiment and really, um, really kind of tie into these things. So if you, if you, if that's kind of what's working and you could be that brand that gets lucky on it, or you understand that, uh, actually being radical, being different, uh, is very effective. It's very disruptive. Uh, it's, it's really kind of eating at those large brands like, uh, you know, Procter and Gamble and Conagra foods that what's, that's what keeps them up at night. And, um, and you actually apply that research and you really, that's, you find a strategy that's a winning strategy and maybe you test that strategy, then uh, I think that the ratio of success of those brands can really um, go up dramatically. And um, the problem with uh, the big brands is that uh, when they're in the market, like I talked earlier about Tomato Love, and um, I have plenty of examples that we've done with Smash Brand where they've, we've taken them so far radically different that they, um, without the testing, they would just the brand say, I can't, can't take that much risk. There's too much to lose. Um, and so we, we de-risk it for them. And, uh, and so that's the difference with the challenger brands. They have nothing to lose. And so they can be very risky and different. And that's what makes it so exciting because, uh, because that's what's working. That's what's effective. That's what consumers are, what's resonating with them is just radical change and difference and disruptive on the shelf. And the big brands uh, just can't keep up by and large. And I know a lot of our listeners too are in the e-commerce world. You know, they may either never want to go into retail or it's certainly not on day one, right? Where they're starting off in that space. And yet packaging design is still important, right? So even though I think we understand when you walk down, you've got 50,000 competitors in a grocery store, really, you're, you're competing for attention as, as shoppers go through the store. E-commerce is different, right? It's, it's not about, at least in their minds, not the first thing that comes to mind is not necessarily the packaging. Why do you find, or why do you think that packaging is still very relevant in this e-commerce world? So, you know, I talked about that earlier, the the proverbial shelf, and um, we, you know, we Smash Brand is our primary business, but we we uh, started a health food company 22, 20, 20 years ago about, and today we still have two brands we sell and own on, on Amazon. So I'm very familiar with probably uh, really what you're talking about in this audience and what they do, and. There's an interesting thing, um, you know, if you're digital and you're talking about activation, you've got a product or you got a service and this is working and this works better for this audience, it's A-B test and, and you know, make tweaks and things like this. 
Um, it's really easy to not think a whole lot about what works. You just kind of wait to see how it all shuffles out. But uh, the idea of something physical and printed, and, and even on Amazon, if it's never on a shelf, ultimately at the end of the day, a physical product is showing up in their hands. And, um, and so that is a reinforcement of it. And also I would say that, um, that being the nature of like static, you, you think about it differently. It almost forces you to try to get it right. And at the end of the day, it is, I mean, you look at, you look at Amazon and the product images and Amazon wants a picture of the product. Um, you know, if it's a really big box, they might show the product without the packaging, but the packaging is still a very large part of your listing. And um, it's a reflection of the product and the quality. And when it shows up in the box at your doorstep, it's a, it's a reinforcement of that. And you kind of dovetail that together of if you do it and you realize if I print these, I'm printing thousands of them, um, I'm going to do it right. And it almost is an exercise to force you to, to think about it more than you will otherwise and, and not be lazy about it. And so um, I'm still a really, really big believer. We have clients that call like, oh, okay, you guys do on the shelf, but I'm an Amazon brand. Can you still help me? I'm like, absolutely. Because at the end of the day, uh, Amazon, and I'm picking on Amazon because they're the kind of the big beast out there, uh, but it applies whether you're selling on your own website, Shopify or, or Walmart. Um, but uh, there's a lot of competition. It's really it's easier than ever to bring products to the market. And um, you know what works 10 years ago, you just stick anything on there and it sells, just isn't going to work anymore. You have to ultimately be a good product. And um, that doesn't mean that the exact same product that is made by the exact same Chinese manufacturer, that uh, really strong branding and standing for more than, you know, repeating the same product features um, is, is what the product is about. It's there's emotive side of it. The brand stands for something and that it, that comes through in design and visuals and, and all those pieces come together. I'm a really, really firm believer in that. Totally agree. And I think, you know, part of what makes packaging so important in the retail space is the ability to find it, right? So standing out amongst the competitive set. But beyond that, the, the, what it shares, and that may be less relevant in e-commerce on websites and in Amazon in terms of the packaging to make it stand out um, potentially. Um, but the, the part that I would say is more important and, and certainly is you know, permeates through e-commerce and retail alike is that trust factor, right? When you feel confident in the quality of the packaging, the messaging that's on there, it's going to speak to you. You're going to trust that it's going to work well, right? You're solving the problem that the consumers are are having in their own minds. Uh, so it's, it's, it's part of the experience overall. I think, you know, everyone goes back to Apple as kind of one of the innovators in the space where you, you know, as I look around my office, my employees keep their mouse boxes, right? Or keyboard boxes for, yeah. for app. Like it's hard to throw away because the experience is so good. And, but there's, you know, there's a thousand ways to do that, where if you make that experience better, whether it's in retail or whether it's showing up on your doorstep, the, the experience breeds trust. It breeds excitement for the brand. It breeds storytelling, right? Sharing your experience with others. You may or may not talk about the packaging itself, but you're going to talk about the, the experience of the product. And that's just a, certainly a big part of it. So I, I couldn't agree with you more in that, in that aspect. Yeah, definitely. So are there any questions, Michael, that I didn't ask that you think would be relevant for our audience? Um, no, this is going to be an edit time. You can put me on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> I think a good question that, uh, fits with your audience really is, is, is cause you know, we've talked about all this stuff. We, we're an agency, we do this uh, for a living and um, you know, a small brand that's just starting out, that's maybe not ready to hire smash brand. Like how do they tackle this? How do, how do they break it apart? How do they think about this? And so um, 
I'll just try to give a couple few pieces here that I think uh, will help and uh, kind of put it there. But uh, let's say, and I'll, I'll, I'll stick along the Amazon because they sell everything. So if you don't sell on Amazon or you're going to a grocery store, or you're going into, or, or even a service, honestly, um, just spend a lot of time uh, with your competitors. Understand uh, what they're saying. Um, you know, almost, almost be scientific about it. Like make a chart, like say, okay, I see a lot of blues and greens. I, they're all saying these, these things, but, um, but then there's a lot of people complaining about the same things in the reviews and, and, uh, you know, looking for these keywords, I wish X, Y, Z. And so finding those gaps, I think you just spend a lot of time inside the customer's shoes. It's easier than ever to get inside their head. Um, you know, the Q and A and reviews and people talking about products through social media and online. Um, you, you, you'll find some nuggets. It's not easy work, this, but it's, uh, but anyone can do it if they, ha they commit the time to it. And I can almost guarantee, um, you know, we kind of have this saying that, uh, really this idea that there's all these pieces and they just make no sense. And they're all seemingly un unrelated. And then the, the longer you stare at them, eventually they all just click into place. And, uh, and at a really, really high level, that is where the strategy is born. Like it just suddenly clicks all together and makes sense. And uh, if, you, if you're at it and it hasn't happened yet, just keep going at it. And someday I think it all kind of clicks together and, and you have that aha moment. And that's the beginning of your strategy. That's a great advice. I think, you know, it's certainly a path you can walk down to start on your own. And then at the right time, of course, bring in experts like Michael and his agency Smash Brand to, to really take it to the next level going forward. Well, Michael, again, thank you so much for your time. I do want to encourage our listeners, go to their website, Smash Brand dot com or look up Michael on, on LinkedIn. We'll post his full name, LinkedIn profile, et cetera, in the show notes. You can click on there uh, to learn more, to, to get in contact with Michael, to see how they might be able to answer some questions for you on developing your own strategy, whether it's packaging or overall branding strategy to, to really help your consumer product business grow. Also, be sure to check out harvestgrowthpodcast.com to see other episodes we've recorded. And, and if you like this episode, and you want to learn more about how you can profitably grow your consumer product business, please subscribe to our show and be sure to leave us a review at, at iTunes and Google Play. Thanks again.